Hi, and welcome to Finance Matters, a podcast series where we bring you bite-sized thoughts, stories, and inspiration in the hopes that they'll be useful to you as you work within finance at UVA or outside. We're equal opportunity bringers of thoughts, aren't we, Patty? Yeah. Also, I forgot the original intro. So <laughs> this is I know, I was just today. about to say that, that, that the reason <laughs> it sounds different to people who are used to listening to you is that we just up because Brandy couldn't get through. Yeah. The I can't engage my autopilot today. <laughs> so yeah. and we it was about time. Ourselves either, yeah. so. It was about time to shake it up anyway. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, let's introduce ourselves. These two crazy people. I'm Brandy <laughs> Van Ormer, the communications manager for UVA Finance and also communications for FST. And I'm your regular co-host of Finance Matters. And with me via Zoom is the lovely Patty Marbury. Yeah, I'm the training director for UVA Finance and FST, Finance Strategic Transformation. Yeah. I am the training leader. So, and if you are here at UVA and you're at all interested in what's going on with finance, we're going to take a moment to just plug our other podcast that Patty and I record. Every other week, we do a really brief radio broadcast called WFST about the Finance Strategic Transformation Project. And it's just a news broadcast of everything that's going on with the project if you don't have time to read your email. Because who does? We're all yeah, just trying right. to keep up. And getting into our content today for Finance Matters, though, that's another good point is that um, we don't always have time to read the things that we'd like to read. And by times here on the podcast, we bring you discussions about popular books within the world of work that we think you might be interested in so that you can get a good sense of what's in the book without having to read the whole thing if you don't currently have time. So today we're talking about a really interesting topic because it's something that within finance clearly we function, we uh, focus on a lot. Um, I say clearly and laugh when I'm looking at Patty because Patty's all about employee engagement, <laughs> and that's, that's part of our topic today. We're talking about a book called The Truth About Employee Engagement, a fable about addressing the three root causes of job misery by Patrick Lencioni. And mm -hmm. that's uh, someone you're very familiar with, aren't you, Patty? Yeah. Patrick Lencioni, um, he's actually, I think, my husband's favorite author. But... I thought you were getting ready to say he's my husband's, like, second cousin. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it though. <laughs> but um, he, so we have a lot of his books, or he does in his office perhaps, but um, he wrote probably people may be familiar with or have heard of the five dysfunctions of a team. So he wrote that. Um, and also the book Death by Meeting, which is really good. Uh, one of the things that he does a lot is, um, and, and he's also written lots of other books, but yes what he usually, how he usually writes his books, which make it really interesting, is that he writes them in like a fable form, like a little um, short story about something. And then he goes from that, like what, what does that tell you about certain things and how you can use that as like a lesson to, to learn about um, leadership and management and all kinds of things. So it's kind of interesting because he tells a little story that he's made up you know, so. I haven't read many of, I, I think I've perused a few of his different books and I, I've always found his titles engaging. Yeah. Some of the other titles of the, the of books that he's written, he's got 
it's just very catchy, like death by meeting and mm-hmm. the five dysfunctions of a team. Um, three big questions for a frantic family and yeah. naked, a business fable about shedding the three fears that sabotage client loyalty. He's got yep. some- <laughs> yeah, he does want to get people's attention. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and the the content is really good. Um, so we're list, we're looking at um, the three root causes of job misery. This truth about employee engagement, and this book basically talks about what causes people to be miserable in their job, and how managers and other people in leadership can help employees to have fulfilling jobs. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to talk about the concepts provided by uh, Lencioni. I always want to call him Leoncini. Totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> by Lencioni in his work. I found it really interesting, especially since we've been talking um, so much about employee engagement within finance. And it's been harder, I think, um, in our current situation in the world, you know, all of us working remotely, it's been not harder, but maybe just different to think about how you're engaged and how you are um, really plugged into your work at this point. So let's go ahead and chat about truth about employee engagement. Kind of what's cool about um, the, the, the way he talks about employee engagement and, and, you know, you just mentioned being in zoom, all of the things that he talks about and suggests here, being remote doesn't make a difference um, to make sure employees are engaged. Nope. So you don't have to be physically present. And um, I think that's really cool because it really does apply to, you know, our world right now. Yeah, because the, the things that he says are a root cause of job misery, um, they're also not rooted in how we're working or where we're working. Right, right. So, um, the, the fixes to those are not either. So, yeah. um, so he uses the metaphor of a plant. If the roots are rotten, it can't absorb nutrients and the rot spreads to the rest of the plant and the whole thing soon withers and dies. Mm-hmm. And that it's much the same for us in jobs and that there are three different causes of rotten roots. The first of the, these, he says, is anonymity. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about anonymity. Um, I think that this is, this can be really prevalent because, um, and what what he means by anonymity is that um, people people need to be um, kind of recognized and appreciated for the work that they do, um, and to be seen. Yeah. So, um, so by people by seen by people in authority. Right. So all that matter. I mean, not that everybody doesn't matter, but matters to them. Right. So, um, and that's really interesting. And, and I think, um, what he specifically talks about there is, um, things that managers can do to make sure that they're engaging their employees, um, is to make sure that they're not invisible to you. So, um, and we can either talk about it now or we can talk a bit later that some of the things you can do to increase it. Um, but why don't we go through the other factors first? Okay. Well, the second root problem is irrelevance. Mm-hmm. And so we've talked a little bit about, you know, not being invisible 
and being appreciate your abilities being appreciated. Irrelevance is feeling like um, your work is not worthwhile, that it's pointless. Mm -hmm. What you do is pointless, that nobody benefits from your work. Yeah. So it's, it's where your work is not meaningful. Right. And you don't feel like it's making a difference. You're just, you know, producing widgets or processing this paperwork and it, you don't see a connection to any kind of greater good. Yeah. And that's not to say that producing widgets or processing paperwork yeah. can't be made. Exactly. Um, but you, you have to, you know, think about that so that yeah. people feel like, well, what I'm doing is not making a difference to anybody. Yeah. I mean, and I think about what we do in finance that for some, for some folks that could have at some point in their lives, maybe been a challenge if they, if it isn't now that you think, oh, how, if I, if I do all this work on this spreadsheet, how is that um, helping anyone? Well, it does definitely. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It really does um, help the, uh, the university to achieve its mission, but we've got to sometimes think through those connections and managers yeah. can help make those connections for the right. team. Sometimes you have to dig deep for it. So, yeah. yeah. The final root of job misery is immeasurement. Yeah. And I, I, I liked this one because, I, well, number one, I wasn't sure immeasurement is actually a word. I don't gonna, think it is a word. I'm going to challenge, uh, what is his name? Lencioni. <laughs> Lencioni. I still want to go Leoncini. Maybe he made it up. He could have. Shakespeare made up words. Why can't Patrick? <laughs> so, but it, but it did make me smile because we talk at UVA so much about measurement. <laughs> and I was like, we've got this one. So tell me a little bit more about measurement, if you don't. So mind. I think I think what he means by that is um, in measurement that when people cannot measure, people need to be able to measure their own. Um, so when he talks about in measurement, it means that there aren't measures, right? So he says that people need to be able to gauge their their own progress and their contributions. Um, they need to know what the you know goal is, and they need to know they need to be able to um, recognize when they're meeting the goal. So they have to be able to do that on their own. Yes. And I think it's important too that he, he's not, he, he helps us to understand that he's not just talking about like the person who's just doing the spreadsheet or, you know, mm -hmm. someone who's making widgets. He even talks about CEOs um, or people higher up in the corporate chain. Mm -hmm. um, if she has, if her, if this, he talks about Nancy, a CEO, and if, if she has no connection to her boss and her boss doesn't take interest in her professional development and she feels anonymous and she doesn't see how what she does at mm -hmm. the company helps any of their customers and she doesn't really know how, the, how what she does contributes to the company's performance, she can be just as miserable as anybody else. Mm -hmm. So, um, we're not talking about engagement at, well, we are talking about engagement at every level, not at any yeah. specific level. Right. So, right. It can happen. People can become disengaged at any level. Um, yeah. So that's an important thing to, to remember that it can happen anywhere and in any job. Absolutely. And and engagement in any job. So like when you were talking about um, widgets or being factory worker, um, you can find engagement in that environment. So 
if you do these things. So how do we end up in this place maybe where we've got these three root causes eating away <laughs> at us <laughs> um, in, a, in an organization? Um, what are the obstacles that we're facing that are like, how, how do we need to, to, what do we need to do to get out of this situation? Well, I think one, one thing is, or how did we get here? I think one thing um, that caused us to get here is that, that companies and organizations often think about um, motivating employees by pay, you know, like, or that pay is the issue. Um, when employees aren't feeling fulfilled or aren't happy, that, um, that it's, oh, we'll just throw, throw more money at them and then that will make them happy. Um, that may ha make them happy for a couple of pay cycles. Right. But once they get used to that, they're not going to be happy um, unless it's a tremendous amount of money. So, I mean, even that's probably not going to make them happy in the job um, and like to go to the job. Um, so I think that's part of the issue is that we've often thrown money when we, real when we think that people aren't um, happy in the job. I mean, think about when an employee, sometimes when an employee um, puts in their resignation or, or tells their boss that they're leaving a job, very often we hear about jobs doing like retention offers mm -hmm. or offers to retain an employee. Well, most, I mean, I don't know any statistical data on this, so I'll just say it from kind of what I've seen. Often that does work for that first time, but then, you know, a couple months down the line or maybe a year later, that same employee is still looking for something else. And so um, that retention often doesn't last for very long. Um, and so I think that recognizing that the issue is not really money or it could be money, um, but it's also something else. Well, and that's something else Lindsay talks about um, employees and leaders getting to know their employees and being cognizant of what they're contributing. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's where the anonymity comes into play. Yes. And making sure that employees don't suffer from that. And it, like you're saying, employers may think, well, we have a great compensation package that shows them that we appreciate them. Yeah. But that's not everything. So let's talk right. about that for just a little bit. Um, yeah. So one of the ways that managers can, and, be, and be, even before we talk about any of these, one, one of the other obstacles really is that we have a lot of managers um, in a lot of organizations that don't have a high degree of emotional intelligence. Good point. Takes emotional intelligence to um, to have the confidence and have the kind of emotional vulnerability with employees to be able to engage. Yes. Uh, and because make it, we're talking about conversation and knowing mm -hmm. them and yeah. beyond just going through a checklist yeah. of is this done? What is yet to do? Yeah. Having sort of so a those connection. are the obstacles when we yeah. talk about like, well, why, how did we get here? You know, how, why is it that the, the majority of people are, are somehow unfulfilled in their jobs and not happy? Um, that's kind of how we get, got there. But um, back to your comment or question about addressing anonymity is um, they offer some really good like questions um, that you can do for kind of your own self-assessment to mm -hmm. see 
how you are with um, these different areas, these different factors that cause um, unhappiness or um, lack of engagement. And one of the kind of self-assessments you can do around anonymity is ask questions like, do I really know my people? Do I know what their interests are? Um, do I know what they do in their free time? Um, do I know where they are in their lives? Do they have children? Do, what are their children's names? Um, you know, uh, are they taking care of their parents? Um, those kinds of things. Um, it's just getting to know your people. I mean, I've talked to people before that say their bosses never um, ask them about their time or or will pop in and say how was your weekend and then you know continue on without taking the time to really listen um and that it makes a difference it makes a difference it does make a difference um yeah Lencioni says in the book i underline this part people want to be managed as people not as mere workers and yeah. we're not talking about like you know you sit down and tell each other everything and you're the bosomest of friends but yeah. being in, treating one another as people and um, like you said just knowing basic things about how life is going mm -hmm. we've talked on several pods before about there there is not a division between work life and home life it is all mm -hmm. life yeah. and we all need we all like to be a whole person when we're in work or at home or working from yeah. home <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say pandemic has uh, really kind of made that an obvious thing that yes, not a separation really. Yes. So, and, and there just can't be and, and maybe that's okay. Um, as long as you know, we're recognizing that people do need downtime. Um, so, but yeah, treating the treating people as whole people and um, people with lives and knowing what those lives are like, I think is important. So let's talk about irrelevance then. Um, we, I think deep down, we all have a secret fear of irrelevance. <laughs> yeah. Um, everyone um, wants to know that they have a, a reason for being. And so how can managers and uh, leaders help their teams to see their relevance. I think one of the the ways they can help to they can help their the people that they uh, manage the way managers can do it is to um, continue with this kind of assessment and and say do your employees or do the people that work on your team do your team members do they know um, who they're helping or who their work impacts. Um, do they know how their work is impacting others? Um, so I think that's the important thing. Do they know why they're doing what they're doing? Um, often you can align the um, work that they do with the mission of the organization. Um, we're, do, we're talking about that in finance right now as far as um, the values that we have as an organization and how people can display values or demonstrate those values in the behaviors that they do at work. Um, and one of the things to think about when you're doing that is, is in my day-to-day -day work, how am I contributing to this 
value of our organization. Um, and so I think that's one way to do. And then as managers, I mean, employees can ask themselves that too. So when we sure. talk these self-assessments or these assessments that managers should go through or um, that managers should talk to their employees, we're also saying employees should talk, be talking to their managers about this. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a manager and thinking, well, this isn't for me, um, yes, it is because you are responsible for having these conversations as well. Yeah, and, so, and, and, and in a lot of ways, we all manage ourselves, don't we? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as I think about where we are right now in uh, the world and how we're in a emergency response situation right now. And mm-hmm. so much of what would have been a normal year in the world of academia and central finance is definitely upended and mm-hmm. we've done revised budgets, timelines are all over the place and things have changed as far as how instruction is going to be delivered and we've yeah. had to you know, pull together emergency funding for students and for staff and be nimbler in response to health needs and safety requirements. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes maybe in situations like that, it becomes a little easier to see how what you do makes a difference. Yeah. Because when you're required to be part of that muscle that flexes when change is required, you mm-hmm. can see, oh, wow, yeah, they totally need me to do this part of the job so that they can deliver X thing, you know, education yeah. or safety or COVID mm-hmm. tests. <laughs> right. Exactly. It, it, when I think about this, when I think about um, irrele- irrelevance, um, and that people need to create relevance for their job. Um, I think about that. We talked about the book, Start With Why, Simon Sinek. Yes. And it's like that. I mean, you go back to why do you do what you do? Um, and keep asking why until you find the, the, real, the real why behind it. Yeah. Like, you know, I might say, well, you know, why do I do what I do? Well, so that I can help um, create training for UVA, right? And so, but if somebody says, well, why is that important? And you can keep digging about into why is it important? And then you come up with, I do my work so that other people can do their work um, easier or better, um, make their work easier because they know how to do it. Right. Um, and so often the, the, the start with why is not just the first thing that you think about why you do your work, but you just keep asking that question. So if, you need, if you're not sure about your relevance of your job or if it's having an impact, that's something to discuss. Um, if you're a manager with your team members, if you're a team member with your manager. Or yeah. And it's a really deep need people have. I think, I can't remember if this was in context of some of our other discussions or if I just read this, but there was a study, if I can find it, I'll link it in the show notes along with Start With Why, that podcast. Mm -hmm. But there was, maybe it was in that context, there was a study done where I think they did it with like grade school age kids Mm -hmm. and they would let the children um, do a certain task for a like a, a great reward but the yeah. task was absolutely meaningless and they knew it there was no uh-huh. meaning to it 
or yeah. um, you could do a task where you could see the results of it and the impact mm -hmm. that it, the good that it did for someone for yeah. less reward. And it, they overwhelmingly always were wanted to stick with that one where they could see the reward or see right. the, the benefit that, that the task had. Right. That in itself is a reward. It's yeah. a, it's an intrinsic sense of, it's an intrinsic reward. So yes. it's material, it's a feeling of a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And that's more important to people than um, other things. Yeah, we like to think that, yeah, it, it's just about the financial compensation. Yeah. Right. But we really do say, like to have meaning. <laughs> right, I was gonna say it's not more important than money necessarily. Right. Um, it's not, money isn't typically a motivation for people to do their work. The lack of money, so not being compensated enough, is a demotivator. Absolutely. But the additional money, like I said, a couple pay cycles and you're back to where you were before. So well, let's pop on over to that third root cause, immeasurement. Yeah. Um, so again, though, it, it, it sort of goes back to the, the sense of accomplishment um, that when, in, when a person can sense that they've succeeded themselves. And it, I think it's, I think this one is more about internally how a person um, doesn't necessarily need the recognition from other people um, to be able to feel the sense of accomplishment. And so you want to make sure that people can measure their own progress or measure their own um, success without you having to kind of check it off and say good, good job yeah. um, along the way that they would that they know what that is they can gauge their own um progress and their own success yeah if you've ever been in a job role where when it came time for your review you had no idea how it might come out <laughs> right yeah where, where your goals were not really clear and and um you had no way as you said of checking in or checking against what had been laid out for yeah. you. Um, that's an uncomfortable feeling. It's yeah. kind of, it's just as unsettling in some ways as the irrelevance factor. Yeah. When you mm -hmm. don't know where you stand and if you are performing to plan. Yeah. So we've already talked to this. I was going to say as a manager, when you're talking about that in measurement thing, when we talked about some of these questions you can ask yourself to see how you're doing is um, you can ask, do they know how to assess their own progress or success? Mm -hmm. Do your people that are on your team know how to do that? And if they don't, then help them. I was just giggling to myself thinking, do they know how to log into Workday and review the goals? <laughs> if they don't, then help them. Yes, help them. If they don't, we have a quick reference guide. <laughs> <laughs> we'll link to the job aid in the show notes. I'm joking. Maybe not. Maybe I should. <laughs> anyway, um, we've already, in the discussion of the obstacles and the root causes themselves, we've touched on the benefits of some of this engagement. But I, I wanted to really make sure we covered it in the pod because it's not just self-fulfillment. I mean, I hate to say that 
none of this is enough of a reason to pursue these things on their own, like self-fulfillment and feeling more better about your role as a person and as an employee, that's absolutely worthy as a goal. There are larger benefits too for the organization. Um, so I wanted to talk about those as well. Uh, the benefits that Liam Cini, did I get it right this time? <laughs> Lencioni. Lencioni. <laughs> no, Damn you it. said it the way that you you <laughs> did not get it right. You said it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> to all the people out there that I have been secretly irritated with for writing me emails that say B R A N D Y, I've been vindicated today because I cannot say this man's name, and it's right in front of me. So um, the benefits to employee engagement that he identifies are increased productivity greater retention and lower costs and then also cultural differentiation and these all seemed really interesting and relevant so i mean let's start with the most obvious one uh increased productivity mm -hmm. how do we come by that when employees are engaged um they develop a sense of ownership and pride over their work and want to do more yeah, they're, the job is fulfilling. Yeah. Uh, so it's easier to be enthusiastic and to mm -hmm. take pride in what they're doing. Like yeah. you said. And they show ownership. up. Yeah, they show up. <laughs> yeah. They don't take any, any excuse they can to not be there. Right. So, yeah, definitely increased productivity. Mm -hmm. um, greater retention and lower costs. That's easy to make the jump from the productivity to that. That yeah. if they're finding fulfillment, and they know that what they're doing is worth it, they're going to stay mm -hmm. at that job. But yeah, because yeah. hiring new people, hiring training. Oh, expensive, yeah. Um, is expensive. And he also talks about how they tend to attract other good employees. Right, yeah. They tell yeah. their friends that it's a great place to work and then their friends come um, and join. So, well, and, and even just, I think, recruiting tool. I think about um, finance outreach, our, I don't, is that what we're called still, by the way? Not anymore. We're called Finance. engagement now. Okay. <laughs> Finance engagement. I'm, should I know that? What's wrong with me? <laughs> I hope Bill Ashby isn't listening. <laughs> but. <laughs> we, we now have to, we used to talk <laughs> in our podcast all the time. Bill is our boss now instead of Kelly. Is so. our boss. And so yeah. we need to talk about, we need to. Start kissing up to Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care about Kelly now. <laughs> we, we do. We, we do care about Kelly. Kelly's always yeah. wonderful. And Bill's great too. But all joking aside, I think about our group and how we focus on hiring for fit. Right. And I know a lot of, I mean, obviously a lot of um, organizations across UVA do this, but mm -hmm. I've experienced in our group Mm -hmm. um, that we hire folks that we know will be a good fit for folks we already have. And the folks we already have are folks who are engaged and enthusiastic. And I think when people who are looking for a position at UVA interview with the group, they can tell that we're like that. Mm -hmm. So we want them if they're like that as well. And if they don't like all of our perkiness, they don't want to work here. <laughs> yeah. And I want to be clear when we say hiring for fit, that we're not saying that we hire people that that are just like us because correct um you know when they talk about cultural differentiation you know i think that we want to make it clear and 
important to recognize that um, the fit has more to do with, um, uh, how do I say this? Um, more to do with, can they, get, can they work with the team? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that your, your motivation and engagement is similar to that of the, the people the you team. Be working yeah. with. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I think about the team and we're, we're all very different mm -hmm. and that's very good, but we do share a certain appreciation and enthusiasm for what we do. And right. I think yeah. we think creatively and work hard at things because of that. So mm -hmm. um, you were talking about cultural differentiation and that's one of the other um, benefits of employee engagement that he identifies. So let's talk about that for a second because I thought that one was one of the coolest ones. Um, how is, how does that play out with employee engagement? Well, you might want to say a little more about this, but I sort of feel like it is having to do again, having to do with fit, but when employees, um, take interest in working with their colleagues and helping each other find meaning and relevance in their work. Yeah, they create a culture within the group that is all their own mm -hmm. and it becomes a valuable thing like it's a mm. it's a feeling and a motivator and it motivator and it takes um effort to maintain that mm -hmm. yeah yeah there and you know we've talked a lot i think on past pods about what makes people leave positions often it's yeah. a bad manager. <laughs> right. Yeah, overwhelmingly it is. But mm -hmm. people want a, a culture in their work, their place of work that is supportive and engaging and warm and, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever it is that you, it is that you want. Maybe that's the opposite of all the things that you want. But culture is something that is a deciding factor for folks. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about wanting engagement, creating that culture, it's, it's a strange thing that you can't quite put your finger on exactly how and when it happens, but it grows and gels the team together. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of know when it, you know yourself when you're in that environment. Right. Um, yeah. So, so I think that's what, what he's getting at there with a cultural differentiation. Yeah. And he, he talks about, you know, if you're, you're job searching, it's, wise to ensure that there's potential for your role to be meaningful, the role mm -hmm. that you're looking at. And uh, you can find that out more at the interview stage um, by telling the prospective employers that you'd like to know them better and that you want them to know you. So you can get a, yeah. a good understanding of this at the outset that, but, and tell them that you need a clear vision of what your work is doing for others and how they measure success. Um, so even if you're at the point where you're looking at other potentialities, um, for employment, there's a place that you can begin. If they don't really want to engage on those topics, that might be a red flag. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. We just come to work. <laughs> Stop asking. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but finding a, an, a company or an organization or a department that can offer you a workplace where you'll look forward to every morning, that's as G.I. Joe says, half the battle. <laughs> yeah. And I think also appreciating um, differences. 
Yes. People. So um, appreciating people for the different things that they bring to the table, including um, differences in backgrounds, race, ethnicity, um, skills, beliefs. Absolutely. Things. That the point about not being anonymous mm -hmm. is more valid the more you think about it, really. Yeah. And, you know, we've been working on several different committees together always mm -hmm. as training and comms. We joke, Patty and I, between ourselves, that there's probably not a committee that we're not on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're all good. They're all doing good things. And some of the for instance, with the inclusive excellence um, group, part of that group ha that has been so fascinating has been learning the background of people that I've worked with for a really yes. long time. Yeah, um, things that I absolutely would never know about. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've always said that one of the coolest parts of my job as the communicator for finance is getting to interview people when they begin their job here for their blog <laughs> introduction. Um, I not only learn what your background is in account pay accounts payable or whatever, but I learn about your hobbies and mm -hmm. family. And mm -hmm. that makes the workplace a much richer place when you know mm -hmm. at least a bit about your teammates in that way. Mm -hmm. Very yep. good. I mean, yeah. I'm not super interesting myself. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on what you call interesting. But yes. we work with a lot of interesting people. We do. Super duper. Yeah. So um, we've covered a lot of ground here with this book. I, it's a really nice, it's a fun read because of the style that, um, say it, Lencioni, Lencioni. <laughs> the style that our friend Patrick has in his life. <laughs> Um, and you might think, okay, well, that's really basic, but it's really good advice and good things to remember, especially because we're working remotely and we do focus a lot on efficiency, productivity. Mm -hmm. And there are some things that are outside of that realm. Um, you know, the connection and connecting yourself to a mission and remembering why you do what you do. Those are things yeah. that can drive that so much more. Yeah. Um, one of the things I thought about when I was reading this um, was the whole concept of a stay interview. Have you heard of that or have we talked Tell about Tell me a little bit more about that. I feel like I'll yeah. probably know when she starts. Uh, we may have talked about it on a previous podcast, but where you, where you hang out and watch. What? Where you watch like that you like get to stay a day? No, no. Uh, that's okay. Not I what don't it know. is at all. It's mainly it's an interview that that managers conduct with their team members to understand why oh. in the job and so why you stay maybe in the show notes we can link to um some of the to an example of some questions that can be asked and you don't need to if you're a manager and you want to do these kind of stay interviews um some some leadership experts say do it every our management leadership experts say do it every time you have a one-on-one -on -one. Others say, you know, every, every now and then. That's really interesting. Yeah, but the, but the questions are things like, basically, why do you look forward to coming to work every day? That's actually, if I may just toot my own home horn for a moment, 
Yeah. I really love job interviews as in being the one who is interviewed. It's yeah. psychotic, I know. But love job interviews. And that's one of my favorite questions to ask is, what do you like about working here? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You get some interesting answers, especially if you're in a group interview and you're sitting in there with your potential boss and their boss. <laughs> right. Exactly. That, that is exactly right. Um, but, but for managers to ask their direct reports, these kinds of questions is where you'll get at um, their engagement. That's and, really interesting because it may not be something that you would have expected. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You can um, reveal. And other questions are things like, well, <laughs> um, if you could change something about your job, what would it be? Um, how do you like to be recognized or rewarded? Um, another part, I, one of the other questions I like is, um, what, what are you not, what talents are not being used in your job, in your current role? That's really interesting. That aren't being used. And then um, what- My interpretive toilet paper dance skills are way under- Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then finally, in part of this interview, you would ask as a manager, you would ask, what can I do um, to help? That's awesome. I really yeah. love that. Yeah, let's definitely link that in the show notes. Yeah, I, I will. I'll, I'll link the, um, the questions that I found uh, from the society for human resources managers. Awesome. Yeah. Well, just to sum up for today, I mean, managers and employees alike both have the tools to bring joy and meaning to each other's work. And I think the key is just to focus on your impact on other people, what you contribute to the whole organization and have a clear way of measuring your success. I mean, obviously, the more engaged we all are, the more successful we'll all be. It's a win-win. It is. All right, well, we're gonna wrap up today on this book. We'll link you to where you can find more information in the show notes, as well as some of the other things that we talked about and the link back to start with why, because I think that will definitely be helpful. And until we talk with you next time, keep doing good work because what you're doing matters. I do remember that part. <laughs> <laughs> for today's podcast. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for listening in, everybody. Have a great Thank rest you. of your day. Bye. Bye.